Hello and welcome back to the Three Pillars Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Tobin, a.k.a. Tobinator the Motivator, and this is episode 102, Pride. Guys, welcome back to the Three Pillars Podcast, the podcast where we focus on those three pillars of fitness, spiritual, mental, and physical fitness, as we grow closer to the Lord on this journey we call life. Guys, if you're a returning viewer or listener, thank you so much for being here. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, it's been awesome to, to be here with you guys and to just kind of have a little weekly chat to grow ourselves closer uh, to being great human beings and most importantly, grow our, our spiritual faith uh, closer to the Lord. Uh, that spiritual pillar is that foundation. Uh, the other two pillars help support the whole uh, rest of us up. So there's your three pillars. Uh, welcome back. If you're a new listener, you're a new viewer, uh, let me know how you're doing. Drop a comment in the, uh, down below. If you got something you want to want to hear about, let me know. We'll get to it. This is not a podcast where you have to tune in every single week because you need to keep up what's going on. It's not a, a journey podcast or anything. Uh, it's just most times it's just me kind of running, running my mouth about some things that I think that will be edifying for you. Uh, by all means, binge it from the beginning and come work your way all the way to the to the end. Share it with your friends. Send it in text message. Hey, check this dude out. He's pretty dope. Uh, if you think so, obviously. <laughs> Please go drop a five-star rating and review when you get done with this. Uh, if you're on Good Pods, make sure you check out the link below uh, to Good Pods. Leave a rating and review over there. We're doing really great on those charts over there. Uh, top five, I believe, as it stands right now. So your support's always just it's it's very humbling so thank you very much uh if you're on any of the any of the other platforms please just subscribe share the show leave a rating review that's how we get discovered so go ahead and do that now we're going to kick off with a quick word of prayer then we're going to talk about pride uh if you guys haven't checked out uh episode 100 uh before we get into a little bit more housekeeping um you're not going to want to miss that. My wife and I had a really good discussion on healthy intimacy. Uh, it's a century mark. It's a, it's a phenomenal episode. Go check it out. It's a little longer than normal, but it's worth it because she's awesome. So get on with that. And also, check out the Sword of Spirit podcast, Joe Rusiello. He's a dear friend of mine. Uh, he's over there crushing it over there, um, giving you great insights into the word on Thursdays and Sundays. He does a live show. So make sure you check out Joe over at the Sword of Spirit podcast. Now, here we go. We're going to start out with a word of prayer and jump right into it. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for humbling us. Thank you for showing us how we should live instead of leading us to our own devices. Yes, we have free will, but we know that when we leave things to our own undertaking without consulting you first and without humbling ourselves before you first, Lord, it usually ends in ruin and chaos. So thank you for being there for us and being that guiding light. Thank you for showing us what pride looks like and how we should avoid it and the differences between uh, pride and being proud. We're going to get into that. Uh, thank you for all, all your wisdom in this episode, Lord. Lord, I ask that you be with me tonight. Give me the words to say. Give anyone tuning in the eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive anything that grows them closer to you. In the most holy name of Jesus, amen. All right, we're going to talk about pride. We're going to go back to old C.S. Lewis, the book Mere Christianity. And we're going to talk about what he, we're going to delve into what he talks about, what pride is. I've got a little outline we're going to go over and we're going to get right into it. It's not an, a, uh, an accident that this episode is premiering when it does, uh, given the events of the, the previous month. I'm not going to get too, obviously, political with it, but you guys need to understand the difference between pride, being proud, and uh, what we're actually celebrating, what we should be celebrating, if that makes sense. So we're going to jump right in. I'm going to read a little bit out of Mere Christianity because it's a fantastic book. Uh, I've got the Word document here because I left my book at home on the road this week. And man, 
uh, I've got to go to the old computer. So chapter eight is what this is from. Uh, it's called The Great Sin, and The Great Sin is Pride. Um, skipping a little bit down, the vice I am talking about, because he gets into it in the first paragraph, um, talking about some of the vices. I'll just read it. I come now to that part of Christian morals where they differ most sharply from all other morals. There is one vice which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else's, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. I have heard people admit that they are bad-tempered or they cannot keep their head up, heads about girls or drink, or even that they are cowards. I do not think I have ever heard anyone who was not Christian accuse himself of this vice. And... At the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who was not Christian who showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. Of course, he's talking about pride or self-conceit. So there it is, it's pride or self-conceit. And the virtue opposite to it in Christian morals is called humility. You may remember when I was talking about sexual morality, I warned, warned you that the center of Christian morals did not lie there. Well, now we have come to the center. According to the Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. So, Point one, pride is the ultimate vice. It's the vice from which all other sins emerge. It is the complete anti-God state of mind and as it prioritizes the self above all else and refuses to recognize any authority besides self. So think about that last little bit about how the devil became the devil. The devil wanted to be worshipped like God. He knew he couldn't be God. He's not, he's not that dumb. But he wants to take away the worship from God because he was this beautiful you know, majestic Elohim, this the most beautiful creative being, uh, as, as they say. And he wanted the worship either to steal it from the other angels or Elohim or, or any other uh, divine being, or most specifically to turn humans away from worshiping God, the Elohim, the ultimate, the uh, creator who was uncreated, you know, the the... the Ancient of days, the most high God. He wanted to take he wanted to take the glory from the Lord. And his pride, his self-conceit thought he could actually get away with it. And he does to a point with with some people. People who are in this self-conceit, this pride state, who are anti-God, who uh, put themselves up on a pedestal thinking that they could do all these things and create alongside God and that you can't. You have to be humble. You have to humble yourself before the Lord and you in, in all things, before you do anything, a quick little prayer, Lord, help me with this. Give me your wisdom. Let, let see me through this till the end. That simple. Paul says, pray without ceasing, right? So you know, the first point is that pride is the ultimate vice. Uh, it is also, you know, that being said, the ultimate vice is also the great sin. He said it just there that sin leads. This sin leads to all others. It's a distortion of the natural hierarchy of things, and it puts oneself above others and above God. If you put yourself above others and above God, then you think you can do anything. I can get away with anything. I can get away with murder because I am God. I am like God. I can do all these things. 
Now, there's obviously different levels to this. Some people take it way beyond, think of like your serial killers and things like that. Think I can just kill people and it'd be just fine. Or some of the, the people who think, you know, murder but not in excess is just fine too. Some of the, that's some of the Luciferian and satanic doctrines uh, that are out there. Um, but you are basically saying that you are more powerful than the most high God. And that's just not true. Can you create the world in a single breath? Okay, then. <laughs> it's not that complicated. I'm going to keep reading uh, from Lewis. Does this seem exaggerated to you? Because remember, he said that pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Does this seem exaggerated to you? If so, think it over. I pointed out a moment ago that the more pride one had, the more disliked the more one disliked pride in others. In fact, if you want to find out how proud you are, the easiest way is to ask yourself, how much do I dislike it when other people snub me or refuse to take any notice of me or shove their oar in or patronize me or show off? The point is that each person's pride in is in competition with everyone else's pride. It is because I wanted to be the big noise at the party that I am so annoyed at someone else being the big noise. Two of a trade never agree. Now what you want to get, get what you want to get clear is that pride is essentially competitive. It is competitive by its very nature, while other vices are competitive only, so to speak, by accident. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. So it kind of gets into like the greed thing, right? Pride gets no pleasure out of having something. Uh, wait, we already said that. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. If someone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, it, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition has gone, pride has gone. That is why I say that pride is essentially competitive in a way that other vices are not. The sexual impulse may drive two men into competition if they both want the same girl, but that is only by accident. They might just as likely have wanted two different girls, but a proud man will take your girl from you, not because he wants her, but just to prove himself that he is a better man than you. Greed may drive men into competition, but there is not enough to go around. But the proud man, even when he has got more than he can possibly want, will try to get still more just to assert his power. Nearly all those evils in the world which people put down to greed or selfishness are really far more than the result of pride. That is very, very profound. Um, you could have, you know, if you've only got $10,000 in a pot, right? And I end up with $5,001 you know, and you end up with $4,999. Yeah, you, but, but you still want more and more and more. Right? Is it because you're greedy? Is it because that pride has led you to greed? Is what he's kind of getting at. You don't just want, you know, two more dollars in your fellow man. You want to be able to try to figure out how to get the other four thousand nine hundred ninety-nine for yourself, just because you have to be more. You're driven by that pride. You're driven by that self-conceit. Greed will eventually run out. Uh, he says it uh, here in the next paragraph. If you, if, for example, the money. The money example. Greed will certainly make a man want money for the sake of a better house, better holidays, better things to eat and drink, but only up to a point. What is it that makes a man with $10,000 a year anxious to get the $20,000 a year? It is not the greed for more pleasure. $10,000, this is back in the day, obviously, World War II era. $10,000 will give all the luxuries that any man can really enjoy. It is pride, the wish to be richer than some other man, and still more the wish for power. 
For, of course, power is what pride really enjoys. There is nothing that makes a man feel so superior to others as being able to move them about like toy soldiers. Think about a lot of people that are in high positions of power right now. All they want is control. How do you control people? Through money, through coercion, through violence, through uh, calling people names because they don't agree with them. There's a lot of ways that people try to extort you uh, for their own power because they're, they're full of this pride and self-conceit. They want to just be better than you. Not because they're actually better than you, because they just have some kind of means to, to get there. They're exerting greed and control and power. I, it's like playing the game Monopoly. I, I loathe playing Monopoly because you have to be kind of ruthless to play that game. Let's just be real for a minute. I'm not a ruthless person, unless I gotta be. Y'all tracking? But I can't, in, in a game like Monopoly, I'm just trying to play the game. I'm not trying to like destroy my compet competition in it like that because that's just not, I don't know, it's not, just how, it's not how I roll. I've never liked the game. I'm more of a clue guy. I like clue. Clue's fun. Shoots and ladders. Teach a little moral or a, a, after every shoot or every ladder, right? So, um, that's what that that game is a perfect example of pride. You start playing with people and you really find out who your friends are and who's really, man, you got, you might need some help, dude. <laughs> if you get to it, talk about Monopoly. Uh, let's keep going. Um, so we've talked about pride is the ultimate vice. Pride is the great sin. Uh, the next one, and he's going to get to it here in just a minute. Um, so third point, pride is a spiritual cancer. C.S. Lewis, again, compares pride to a spiritual cancer that eats away at our souls and prevents us from growing in virtue and holiness. It is a self-centered attitude that closes us off from the grace of God. So when you keep yourself in this self-centered attitude, you're, you're so focused on stuff. How do you grow in your own virtue and your holiness? You may find some virtues naturally by, you know, a, maybe you are just a nice person and you're, you've got some integrity and things like that. But you can't grow that to the next level and be the complete opposite of pride if you have this self-conceit. It's very, very rare you're going to find somebody who's very, very self-centered who is incredibly virtuous who has strong integrity strong moral character is really kind to others if you're very self-centered you might be kind to somebody just to get a, a one over on them or to subvert them so you can be put up, elevated above them pay attention just look around in some of your circles that you travel in you'll find that might be true more often than not is that somebody might be nice and appear to have integrity but maybe they're just doing that to, to get one up on you or other people. And then as soon as they're a step above you, they just cast you down like you didn't exist. I've seen it before. I've seen it in the military before. People will literally you know, fight tooth and nail or they'll be so nice to you. And then as soon as they get elevated above you, they're just completely different people. The same can be opposite too. If you get elevated above them, despite their efforts, you will see them really quickly go from this, this you know, stellar person with integrity to being just completely opposite because it was all a show. I've seen it, and that's pride, okay? Stay humble, work hard, stay humble. I've used that mantra for a very long time. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> the Christians are right. It is, we're going back to, to the book, by the way. <laughs> the Christians are right. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Other vices may sometimes bring people together. You may find good fellowship and jokes and friendliness among drunken people or unchaste people. 
but pride always means enmity. It is, it is enmity. And not only enmity between man and man, but enmity to God. In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably, immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. It's like we just said, if you are so self-centered, if you're always looking at yourself in the mirror, how are you supposed to see everybody else around you? It's like looking at a mirror with blinders on it. So this raises a terrible question. How is it that people who are obviously quite eaten up with pride can say they believe in God and appear to themselves very religious? I'm afraid it means they are worshiping an imaginary God. They theoretically admit themselves to be nothing in the presence of this phantom God, but are really all the time imagining how he approves of them and thinks them far better than ordinary people. That is, they pay a penny worth of imaginary humility to him and get out of it a pound's worth of pride towards their fellow man. I suppose... It was those people Christ was thinking when he said that some would preach about him and cast out devils in his name, only to be told at the end of the world that he had never known them. And any of us may at any moment be in this death trap. Luckily, we have a test. Whenever we find our religious life is making us feel that we are good above all, that we are better than someone else, I think we may be sure that we are being acted on, not by God, but by the devil. The real test of being in the presence of God is that you either forget about yourself altogether or see yourself as a small, dirty object. It is better to forget about yourself altogether. We are literally, we're, we're truly nothing in comparison to God. But he loves us so much, so much that even though we are nothing, he wants to be in fellowship with us he wants us to pray to him to give um, him the glory not just because he's prideful himself but because he gave us life and through what Jesus did on a cross we are saved because of you know the fall and the rebellions throughout the throughout the history of the world this, we're this human condition because of that but he saved us from it because he created us ultimately to be in his family he created the, all the divine beings in, in, the, in the cosmos to be part of his family. But they are nothing compared to him, too. But yet he still loves them. And so we should love him because God is love. But he's just. And he's not safe. Just like Lewis talks about Aslan. There's a parallel between Aslan and the Lord. He's good, but he's not safe. He is... Our, our protector, our, sal uh, our salvation, he gives us life, so we should, we should love him for that. And people will think, oh, well, you're just serving an oppressive Lord. No, no, I'm not. I don't feel oppressed at all. It doesn't take much to say, God, I love you. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving me purpose. Now I'm going to do right by everybody I meet because you told me to. Not because I'm better than anybody else, because you told me to love people. Do unto others as I, they would have. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Try to do that to the best of your ability. Now, um, uh, 
keep going <clears throat> is a terrible thing that the worst of all the vices can smuggle itself into the very center of our religious life. But you can see why. The other and less bad vices come from the devil working on us through our animal nature. But this, this does not come through our animal nature at all. It comes direct from hell. It is purely spiritual. Consequently, it is far more subtle and deadly. For the same reason, pride can often be, can often be used to beat down the simpler vices. Teachers, in fact, often appeal to a boy's pride, or as they call it, his self-respect, to make him behave decently. Many a man has overcome cowardice or lust or ill temper by learning to think that they are beneath his dignity, that is, by pride. The devil laughs. He is perfectly content to see you becoming chaste and brave and self-controlled, provided all the time he is setting you up in a dictatorship of pride, just as he would be quite content to see your uh, chillbanes cured if he was allowed in return to give you cancer. For pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. So, you know, maybe you do overcome lust or ill temper or alcohol or women or whatever, but now all of a sudden you're walking around, I overcame lust. I am above you because you are just a womanizer or you are just an alcoholic. Or, instead of being, man, it was a tough journey. Um, I overcame my, my vices and brother, are you struggling? I, here's, here's what worked for me. Can I help you get out of that? Because I feel so much better now that I don't have to wake up hungover all the time. I don't have to wake up empty and alone because, you know, I, I'm just a womanizer. I don't have to wake up angry all the time because I'm ill-tempered. I don't have to, uh, I'm not a coward anymore because I face my fears. Is there something I can help you with brother or sister or whoever? That's what makes the devil shake because he, you understand humility. Mark that. The cure for pride is humility. Humility is not thinking less of oneself, but thinking of oneself less. It is an accurate view of oneself in relation to God and others, recognize our, recognizing our own faults and limitations. So as pride, like you said, it blinds us to our faults. That was point four. I, I kind of skipped over. I'm kind of going out of order, but it, it makes sense the way it's flowing right now. Uh, you know, if pride blinds us to our faults, one of the most insidious effects of pride is that it blinds us to our faults. When we are consumed with our own greatness, we cannot see our own weaknesses and limitations. We are unable to learn from our mistakes and grow in wisdom. So if we are so self-centered and we don't actually take a step back to really look at it, you have to think less of yourself and uh, think it's not thinking less of oneself, but thinking of oneself less, if that makes sense. You have to self-reflect. You have to take a step back and realize, okay, I've got this, this, and this I'm, I'm, I need to work on. How can I be better at this for the glory of the Lord and to help my fellow men? As opposed to, I am so good at this, you know, this, this, and this. There's, you know, nothing else I can't do, blah, 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 blah. And you're only doing it for yourself. And you can't see that you actually have faults. Okay, maybe you are good at X thing. So you're good at um, running. <laughs> Something simple like running. But you're a, just a terrible um, teammate. Maybe you win, win the race for the team, but you don't do anything to really encourage or inspire anybody else except for win. Hey, you're a great runner. How can you teach your fellow teammates to be a better runner? Instead of just being arrogant, hey, here's what I do. Here's my routine. 
I, I get up, I stretch, I drink water, I eat this. I, and then in my mindset, I have, I think about, you know, the song that never ends over and over again until I get to the end of the race, whatever it is that makes you a good runner. That's a very obviously small example, but think about that. That pride, it blinds you to your own faults. Whereas humility, the cure for pride, lets you see your faults and work them out and turn them into strengths using the Lord as your uh, guide. Before we got a couple more little paragraphs here. Um, he continues, Lewis continues. Pleasure, but he says, before leaving this subject, I must guard against some possible misunderstandings. The first one, pleasure in being praised is not pride. The child who is patted on the back for doing a lesson well, the woman whose beauty is praised by her lover, the saved soul to whom Christ says, well done, are pleased and ought to be. For here the pleasure lies not in what you are, but in the fact that you have pleased someone you wanted and rightly wanted to please. The trouble begins when you pass from thinking, I have pleased him, all is well, to thinking, what a fine person I must be to have done it. The more you delight in yourself and the less you delight in praise, the worse you are becoming. When you delight wholly in yourself and do not care about the praise at all, you have reached the bottom. That is why vanity, though it is the sort of pride which shows most on the surface, is really the least bad and most pardonable sort. The vain person wants praise, applause, admiration, too much and is always angling for it. It is a fault, but a childlike, and even in an odd way, a humble fault. It shows that you are not yet completely contented with your own admiration. The real black diabolical pride comes when you look down on others so much that you do not care what they think of you. Of course, it is very right and often our duty not to care what people think of us. If we do so for the right reason, namely, because we are so incomparably more, because we care, <clears throat> sorry, if we do so for the right reason, namely, because we care so incomparably more what God thinks. But the proud man has a different reason for not caring. He says, why should I care about uh, for the applause of the rabble as if their opinion were worth anything? And even if their opinions were of value, am I the sort of man to blush with pleasure at a compliment like some chit of a girl at her first dance? No, I am integrated. I am an integrated adult personality. All I have done has been to satisfy my own ideals or my artistic conscience or the traditions of my family or in a word because I'm that kind of chap. He's English, right? If the mob like it, let them. They're nothing to me. And in this way, real thoroughgoing pride may act as a check on vanity. For as I said a moment ago, the devil loves curing a small fault by giving you a great one. We must try not to be vain, but we must never call on our pride to cure vanity. Secondly, he says, we say in English that a man is proud, uh, is proud of his son or his father or his school or regiment. And it may be asked whether pride in this sense is a sin. So this is what I was getting at earlier. We talked about the difference between actually pride, uh, pride and being proud, right? Little, little difference, like being proud of your heritage. Maybe your family's a long uh, line of just hardworking people. They, they come off the boat from you know, Ireland, like my family did, and worked really, really hard to establish themselves and become, you know, good people uh, to the best that they could be, right? Nothing wrong with being proud of that. 
your heritage. And you want to honor that by continuing that legacy of hard work and determination as opposed to, oh, I worked so hard, I'm better than you. Like, that's wildly different things. So ask whether in this sense, pride is a sin or not. I think it depends on what exactly we might mean uh, by, quote, proud of. Very often in such sentences, the phrase is proud of means has a warm-hearted admiration for. Such an admiration is, of course, very far from being, being a sin. But it might perhaps mean the person is person in question gives himself airs on the ground of his distinguished father or because he belongs to a famous regiment. This would clearly be a fault. But even then, it would be better than being uh, proud simply of himself. To love and admire anything outside yourself is to take one step away from utter spiritual ruin. Though we shall not, not be so well long as we love and admire anything more than we love and admire God. So same kind of thing. You belong to a, he wasn't a Marine Corps, very storied regiments, you know, that works all throughout the Marine Corps, right? You're part of whichever one you belong to. You know the history. You're proud to be a part of that because of the, the legacy that they left behind. It's not really a sin. You know that that's because that's a, 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 it's not you. It's your unit. And being proud of being a part of that unit and carrying on that legacy, again, wildly different than just being, you know, proud or being prideful, as it were. Uh, let's see. Talk about humility. Uh, point six, pride is self-defeating. We've already read that pride is ultimately self-defeating as it leads to isolation, loneliness, and misery. When we are consumed with our own greatness, we cannot truly love others or be loved in return. How can you act actually love someone else if all you do is love yourself? If I've got a full glass of water and I pour all of that into myself and that glass of water is love and I pour all of that and I drink the whole thing how can I actually give that love to anybody else that's as simple as I can put it if you're consumed with that greatness that you have this puffed up version of yourself you cannot truly love others or be loved in return you might maybe people on the outside who don't know you that well they may see you as this oh that's a very successful you know, person or blah, 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 blah. But if they don't actually know you, you're just putting on airs and you're putting on a face. That's pride too, because they don't even, they don't even know. So don't isolate yourself. Don't be, you go, you'll find yourself lonely and miserable. Okay. <clears throat> Last two points from Lewis. We must not think pride is something God forbids because he is offended at, at it, or that humility is something he demands as due to his own dignity, as if God himself was proud. He is not in the least worried about his dignity. The point is, he wants you to know him, wants to give you himself. And he and you are two things of such a kind that if you really get into any kind of touch with him, you will, in fact, be humble, delightedly humble, feeling the infinite relief of having for once got rid of all the silly nonsense about your own dignity, which has made you restless and unhappy all your life. He's trying to make you humble in order to make his moment possible, trying to take off a lot of silly, ugly, fancy dress in which we have all got ourselves up and are strutting about like the little idiots we are. I wish I had got a bit further with humility myself. This is Lewis talking again. If I had, I could probably tell you more about the relief, the comfort of taking the fancy dress off, getting rid of the false self, and with all of its look at me and aren't I a good boy and all its posturing and, po uh, and posing. To, even, to get even near it, even for a moment, is like a drink of cold water to a man in a desert. And finally... 
Pride must be overcome. He's going to emphasize in this last little blurb that pride must be overcome if we are to grow in holiness and virtue. We must cultivate humility and turn our hearts toward God and others. Only then can we truly love and serve others as we are meant to do. Back to that glass of love example. You want to pour out as much into somebody else as you can and leave a, a little love for you. You, you can you know, love yourself, right? Self-care, these things we talk about. But you pour into someone else because maybe their cups, their little love cup is not as full as yours. So you pour into them until it's at the brim. Maybe it's overflowing because you're really pouring into them. But when it's when it's over, their cup is overflowing, it will pour back into you. And it can pour into oh, so many other people when you're constantly filling each other up. Because you're humble. You're taking a step. You, you are, again, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And focusing on the Lord. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little nervous of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud and a biggish step too. At least nothing whatever can be done at least nothing whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. Overcome pride with humility. That's the bottom line. That the opposite, the cure is humility. Look at Jesus on the cross, how humiliated he was, but he maintained the bearing as much as he could. He endured for you because he loves you. And what he endured and went through in his, his entire life sets you up for salvation. Show him gratitude by being a good person, by loving him, by loving your neighbor. Not to get one up on them because you are now sanctimonious and holier than thou because you have accepted him. That's not how it works. Maybe you know the Bible better than your neighbor. You're going to know it better than me. If you're looking down on me because of my little pea brain that eats crayons all day long, maybe you should check yourself a little bit. All I'm trying to do in my life is to get my family to heaven and reach the pearly gates, have a pat on the head, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we can do this together, and I can meet you at that gate when the time is right, if you will just humble yourself and strike the pride from your, from your body, mind, and soul. That's all I got for you guys this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Chase Tobin. This is the Three Pillars Podcast. If you like this episode, if you like what we got going on here at the Three Pillars Podcast, please share this show. If you share the show, that's how we grow. It's my little ditty, right? If you're watching this on whatever platform you're, you find yourself on, please leave a rating and review. It would mean a lot to me. Um, follow me on all the pages, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
you know, we got threads now. It's a new thing. I don't even know what, but here we go. We're there, <laughs> right? Um, check out the Three Pillars Podcast website, threepillarspodcast.wordpress.com. You will find I've got blogs. I've got book reports I'm doing on some of the books that I've been reading. I've got uh, going to be doing some history stuff coming on there. Uh, I've got workouts of the day, quotes of the day, all kinds of stuff. Check out that website. It'll take you to all things Three Pillars. Um, we're going to end with a quick word of prayer as always. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I love you guys. Uh, work hard, stay humble, right? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you again for giving us the example in which we should live our lives. Lord, fill us full of your peace. Fill us full of your wisdom. Give us clarity to take a step back in our lives and look to see, am I prideful? Am I conceited? Am I not? Am I focusing too much on myself and not on my goodness I can be pouring into other people? Lord, reveal our faults and help us turn those faults into strengths, whether they're physical, mental, or spiritual faults. Lord, help us to cleanse ourselves and give it, put our focus more on you. Lord, I ask you to bless anybody tuning in tonight or today or whenever they're watching this and give them peace, give them increased faith daily and make them strong and mighty warriors for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you very much. Tobinator the Motivator. I will check you guys next week. Tobinator, out.